Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear about how God is using Adventure Church to speak and work in your life. If you've got a story you'd like to share, please do so on adventurechurch.tv slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Today, as we talk about kind of love and relationships, more specifically toward married people, and if you aren't married, hopefully you plan on being at some point, or, or wherever you find yourself today, I believe it will still be relevant to you. Uh, but before we get into it, I want to say this, that maybe you come from a, a failed marriage, maybe you're divorced, maybe you're separated, and there's just still some healing and some things going on with that. By all means today, this isn't uh, to bring up your past, this is about your future, and that if you do things different, maybe this time around and follow the plan of God, that things can be different for you, but we're not concerned about your past because God isn't, and he's concerned about your future. So from this day forward... We're saying, man, you know what, we're going we're gonna to follow God and his plan and believe that he'll do that. And also, if you are in a relationship that may be abusive, and you find yourself in a very difficult situation right now, as we talk about loving one another and fighting for your marriage, all those types of things, I do want to say this. If you are in a dangerous situation to yourself, to your kids, you need to get out. You need to call the right authorities, the proper people, do those things, seek help in whatever way you need to. By all means, do that. We are definitely not telling you to stay if it's dangerous. So today as we get into this, how many of you remember falling in love? How many, come on, let me see. You just remember that, right? You, you wrote notes, you know, if you're old, right, you wrote notes to them, right? You didn't send text messages. Maybe if you're my generation, you sent them long emails while you were at work because you couldn't even focus on your work because all you did was think about them and how wonderful they were, right? This idea of falling in love, that you would go anywhere, that you would do anything, for the one that you love. And we talked a little bit about this last week, that falling in love is pretty easy because falling in love is usually typically just about chemistry. Like I have a chemistry, there's an attraction. And so those things are great, but typically chemistry wears off. When real life issues and problems come in and the relationship really begins, the chemistry can go away. And so today we're not gonna talk about falling in love because that's easy. Today I wanna ask the question and pose the question, is it possible to stay in love? And even if I came up here with like scientific facts and proof that it was not possible to stay in love long term, you wouldn't believe me, right? Because there's something in all of us that wants to believe like, yes, it is possible. Yesterday we had a birthday party for my grandparents, 88, 89 years old. And in in May, they will celebrate 70 years of marriage to one another, right? Staying in love that long, being committed to someone that long, it's difficult to do. And Jesus gives us some advice. He says this, if you want to stay in love, you have to make love a verb, okay? See, some of you got really excited. All the guys were like, oh, to stay in love, all we got to do is make love? Oh, I told you, honey, I told you that's what (laughs) the problem was, you know, that's it. No, no, no. Jesus said, if you want to stay in love, you got to make love a verb, you got to become active in the way that you love. So take the noun that you fell into and then make it a verb. Make it active in your life. And in order to do that, we have to learn how to do love. How to love the way that Jesus wants us to. Not just staying married because people stay married 
oftentimes not because of love, but because of kids, but because of finances. But, so we don't just want to stay married. How do you stay in love? How do you continue to love someone for the length of your life? My other grandparents, when I was growing up, uh, loved country music. My dad's parents and uh, my grandpa, Papa, was what we called him because we're from West Virginia, okay? So don't judge me. But Papa would always joke around my grandma. Whenever the topic of love would come up, he would sing this old George Strait song. And the chorus of that song was, I know she still loves me, but I don't think she likes me anymore, right? And he would sing that to her, and she'd get so mad, like, I still like, I still like you, you know? But, but not just tolerating, like, I know you love me, but not just tolerating me, not just staying married to me, but how do we really stay in love? How do we continue to like one another? How do we continue to want to be with someone? And in John 13, Jesus lays the foundation for this. And, and again, today, I want you to view these scriptures through the lens of your relationship with your spouse, your significant other, wherever you find yourself today. And he says this, Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. So if you are under Jesus' authority, if you have surrendered your life to him as he is the Lord, he has lordship in your life, that he is giving you a commandment. So he's not saying, if you feel like loving like this, if you think you feel like, you know, no, he's saying, this is the command. If you follow me, This is what you need to do. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So this is, this is, we we always, you've probably heard this before, and you go, oh, your love for one another. So, yep, Kyle, I get it. That annoying neighbor whose dog keeps peeing on my grass and making it turn yellow, I need to love them with the love of God, right? I just need to, you know, I need to continue to press through, and that annoying person at work that just doesn't ever be quiet, you know, I need to love them. No, no, no. View it through the lens of your spouse. Love your spouse as I have loved you. And your love for your spouse will prove to the world, so to those who look at your relationship, the way you love one another, he says, that'll be proof that you're mine, that you're following me. So Jesus is saying, you don't take your cues from culture. You don't even take your cues from the way your mom and dad loved each other and how their relationship was. He says, you take your cues from me. As Christ followers, you take your cues from me, from my word. Look at what I did. Look at what I say, and you do what I do. So what did Jesus do? How did Jesus love us? Again, so the foundation today for staying in love is to make love a verb, to make it active in our life. And if we are to actively love one another the way that Jesus loved one another, we have to learn how he loved us. And in week one, we talked about his amazing grace and love, but, but even more practical today, the Apostle Paul gives us some verses in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, that, that explain Jesus' attitude, that explain and kind of give us a description of how he loved us. And if we are to love in the commandment that Jesus gives us, that we are to love like he loved us, then we need to learn how he loved us. And so look at these verses as we go through this passage, Philippians 2, 3 through 8. You can follow along uh, on the screen. You can download the Adventure Church app, and the notes will be in there with all the scripture today as well. But if we are, we're just going to break this passage down verse by verse and see how Jesus loved us. Again, so view these passages today, not through your annoying neighbor and, you know, going down and serving the home. No, no, no. View these scriptures through your significant other, through your spouse, through the one that you love. He starts out, Philippians 2, 3a, Paul says this. 
do nothing. Look at your neighbor and say nothing. Not just some things, not just occasionally. He said do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of what your selfish nature, and again, Paul describes in Galatians 5, like the, the nature that we have. We have this sinful, selfish, fleshy nature that just continually comes out. That's what comes natural. And he's saying do nothing out of the natural inclination that you have to just please yourself. He says never act on that inclination. Never act on just what you want. He's saying don't just look out for what you want. Look out for what they want. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Don't just do things in a way where you always get what you want. You go, well, that's great. Great advice. Well, how do I do that? He goes on. Verse 3 again. Rather, so in not doing that, doing this, in humility, value others, value your spouse above yourself. So before we get into humility and what it looks like, let's look at what it's not. The opposite of humility in my book is this word called pride. And last week in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul's describing love. He says love is not proud. There's no pride in love. And so pride, in, in Proverbs 16, 18, it says this, pride goes before destruction. Haughtiness comes before the fall. Maybe you've heard it like this. Pride comes before the fall. So before your marriage or your relationship falls apart, the thing that's going to make it fall apart is pride. Trying to get what you want all the time. Being the one who gets served. Being the one that, and you go, well, well, how do I know if I'm prideful? You see, in some of you, pride is prevalent in your marriage right now. You never want to apologize. You always have to be right. And I think some of us have forgotten how to humble, rather in humility, humble ourselves before our spouse and in our marriages, and we've become full of pride. You go, well, how do you know if you're full of pride? And this is just for the married people for a second. (laughs) If you're sitting there right now, and as soon as you heard I was going to be talking about marriage today, and as soon as you hear that I'm saying this is what Jesus says, and this is what Paul says, and immediately you start going, oh, they better listen up today. I, I, yeah, I am pulling out the app. I'm taking these notes. I'm taking pictures, screenshots. I'm taking all this. He better be listening too. Because as soon as we get home, I'm going to tell him. He said, you're supposed to love me like Jesus loved me. You're not loving me like Jesus. Full of pride. How do you know if you're full of pride? If you think that, you're sitting back thinking to yourself, they better listen to every word he says. They better do exactly what he's saying. Because they're not this way. They're not. They, they're not good. And they better shape up. They better listen up today. To me, that's pride. And Paul says, rather, be humble. Be humble. Act like he. Act like she. This is what Paul's saying. These are his words. Act like they are more important than you. Make decisions like she is more important than you. It's what Paul's saying. I want you to think about a time in your life maybe where you met someone that was famous maybe or someone that you just, you respected. In June, I had the opportunity of going out and, and meeting with a pastor who pastors a mega, mega church, like, you know, 13,000 people in his church. He's been in his church like 30 some years and it was just a rare opportunity 
that I got to sit with some other pastors in his living room of his house in San Diego, California. I'm like, what am I doing here? I don't even know how I ended up here. I got an invitation. I just was like, all right, I'll go. And, and in that moment, right, <clears throat> someone who's been at, at his level, his experience, I didn't say very much. He went around the room and said, if you had one question that you want to ask me today, what is it? And we all, every pastor that was in that room, young pastors said, what about this? And he wrote them all down, and then he went through each question. And the rest of the time, I didn't do anything but listen. I didn't talk. I didn't go, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I've had an experience like that too, pastor. Guys, listen up. I was there once, and what you should do is, like, I didn't do that. Why? Because in that moment, what you do when you respect someone like that, and you, you're honoring someone because of where they are, and you treat them like that, you are deferring to them. I will defer to that all the time. Now, if I'm in a room with other church planners and I get opportunities to go and speak and teach and do some things like that, like I, I don't just be quiet. I share because, man, they're wanting to learn from me. I want to learn from them. But in that moment with a pastor at his level who's been doing it for 10 times longer than me and pastor in big churches, I say, I'm going to defer to you because I respect you. I'm not going to speak up. I'm going to act like you're the most important person in the room right now because you are. And so maybe you've been there before where, where you aren't the most important person in the room. And Paul is saying, when you're in that kind of situation and how you, how you kind of have like this awe, like, oh man, like they're who they are and I'm, I'm no one to them. He says, every single decision that you make, every day, you should respond like your spouse is more valuable than you and more important to you. I had the opportunity uh, to get a new car last fall. And my other car was 10 years old, and it was not functioning well for two growing kids. I couldn't fit them in my back seat because it was too small, and so it was time to get a new car. And how many of you remember back to when you got, like, your car was new, right? Like, my other car was 10 years old, and it had dings all over it and rust and all that kind of stuff. So I parked my car anywhere. I didn't care, you know what I mean? But now with my new car... Dude, I'm not just trying to get exercise. I park in the back of the lot because I don't want anybody messing up my car. Anybody remember that before? Or maybe you, you, you pull up next to a car and you examine and judge the other car to see if it's worthy to be parked next to your car. You're like, dude, their doors are all dinged up. They don't have any respect and awe for my vehicle. I'm finding another spot, right? And you find another spot. But 10 years, my other car was 10 years old. I did not care. I did not care. The other day, our road is muddy because there's construction, the road that I take to come to the church. And it had, there was snow on the ground. It had snowed. And my car got covered in mud because I was behind this dump truck. It was still nasty. The roads were still nasty. I drove straight to the car wash and washed my car because mud does not need to be on my car that long. I don't care if it's snowing. The guy at the car wash was like, usually we're closed, but come on in, I guess, you know, like. Because I still, I treat it with this awe. Oh, like, man, I'm like, man, I love this car. It's clean. I, I do everything I can to keep it clean. And, and sometimes that's kind of what happens in our relationships, in our marriage, where it's like, at first, I did all of this stuff. And I was like, treated them like this. And I went out of my way to invest in the relationship and make it great. But over time and over years, I've gotten away from that. And Paul is saying, if you want to stay in love, what used to come naturally to you, you now have to do it intentionally, that you have to make a decision because that's what love is. It's a choice. It's something you do. It's a commitment that you make, that you have to make love a verb, that it has to be this lifestyle that you develop 
by intentional choices because naturally you're going to be prideful. Naturally, you're going to be selfish. And Paul says, to weigh the love like Jesus is you become selfless. You become humble, that you consider them better than you. He goes on in verse 4. He says, so in humility, be humble before them, not looking to your own interest, but to each of you the interest of the others. So he's saying, value your spouse your relationship, your significant other, value them and their interest more than your own. Wish Jess wasn't in here today. She wasn't in here first service. It was a lot easier to preach. This is hard. Some of you are thinking, though. I know some of you. You're like, dude, I know my love is selfless. I know I would die for my wife. I would die for my husband, right? You got the Bruno Mars song going, right? (laughs) I'd die for you. I'd jump in front of a train for you. Baby, I would take a bullet for you. But then we start singing the meatloaf song, right? (laughs) I'd do anything for love, but I ain't going to do that. Not going to do that, right? So we go, and most of us would say, if you are truly like you'd love someone, you'd go, dude, I would no doubt, I would step in and die in their place, no questions asked. I would do that for my wife. I promise you I would. But I'm not going to watch Hallmark movies with her. <laughs> right? Uh, not going to change that diaper. Baby, I would die for you. But I'm not doing the laundry. Uh, not going to clean the house. I'm not going to help with the kids. Not going to do the dishes. Listen, I learned this rule a couple years ago. It's been transformational in our marriage. We have, when we have a family meal, I'm not always home for family meals, but when we eat together as a family, the rule of thumb is, is if she cooks it, I clean it, okay? Someone else taught me this. It's not original to me, but I've been doing that. So when Jess cooks, she prepares the meal, we eat, I do all the dishes. Listen, I don't want to do the dishes, okay? There's nothing in me that gets excited about doing the dishes, But I know that that shows her that I love her and that I care about her and that I want to serve her and I want to serve my kids. And so I do the dishes. But let me tell you this. Jess gets excited when I do the dishes in a good way, if you know what I mean. (laughs) She probably doesn't even, I never said anything to this. A few weeks ago, I was doing the dishes. She walked by and slapped me on the butt. There ain't nothing as sexy as me doing the dishes to her. She's going to kill me. You don't even know she's going to kill me. I said that first service too, so the whole church knows, babe. But see, the problem is, Paul says, value their interest above your own. I don't want to do that, but I want to value her. And look, I fail in a lot of other ways. That's just one way that I'm succeeding right now. But the problem with this is, is that in order to do that, we have to deny ourselves. We have to kill that selfishness, that pride that says, well, she should do that. I shouldn't have to do that. I was doing this. I was at work. I did this. She doesn't mow the grass. I'm the one who mows the yard. I'm the one who does this. I take care of that. She should take care of that. That's the way we think. So it's denying ourselves. And the problem is, is that typically I'm only interested in the things that are interesting to me. 
I'm naturally interested in the things that are interested to me. I'm not naturally interested or want to do things that don't interest me. And so you have to make an intentional choice to learn to express interest in the things that the one you love is interested in. And that is not natural. That is not going to come easy. But you know how to do it because you did it when you fell in love. Falling in love is easy. Staying in love, that's where the work comes in. Because when you fell in love, they would say something like, oh, yeah, I love this band. And you'd be like, oh, I love them too. And then you'd run home and be like, i got to figure out what songs that band sings. I don't even know what band she's talking about. Be like, oh, yeah, I love Indian food. No, I do not. Oh, yeah, I love it, babe. I got IBS. I'm not going to an Indian restaurant, right? It'll jack me up. But, hey, I'll do it for you. I'll eat it. I'll choke it down, you know, because I, I love you. And so we know how to do it. It used to come natural. It doesn't anymore. So you have to become intentional and make a choice to express interest now in the things that interest them, not only you. You see, one thing that Jess does for me that I know she doesn't like, all of her sisters, she has four of them, three of them, three, three sisters, yeah. Three of them, she's four, she's the fourth girl. All of them love football except for her. I don't know what happened in the gene thing and why she didn't get that, but Jess will watch football with me. She falls asleep a lot, but she will watch it with me. But she doesn't watch football because she loves it. She watches football because I love it, and she wants to be with me. That's what we do. We defer to one another. We mutually submit to one another. And so at this point in the passage, I think Paul kind of reads our minds probably like you're thinking, and you're like, look, Kyle, remember last week you talked about the notebook and these fairy tale stories? Sounds to me like you're pitching us a fairy tale here. No one loves like that. No one does that. And Paul kind of reads our mind, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, someone, someone does. Philippians 2, 5 through 6. Look how he starts verse 5. In your relationships with one another, in your relationship with your spouse, have the same mindset. A mindset is a choice. It's a choice that you make. This is my mindset. This is my attitude that I'm going to have in this situation. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So Paul's saying this. Approach your relationship with each other the way Christ Jesus approached his relationship with you. A mindset, a choice. You see, we approach our relationship with one another and we go, it's 50-50. Give and take here. I give some, you give some, I take some, you take some. And there is is a concept to that. There's mutually submissive. But Paul's saying, no, no, no. When it comes to your relationships with one another, you throw the 50-50 out. You go all in, 100 to zero. You take on the mindset as Christ, where Jesus never pulled out the I am God card. I am God. He never leveraged who he was for his own sake. Jesus was the most important person in the room. We all should have deferred to him. Yet he never leveraged that for his sake or benefit. Paul's saying you have to have that kind of mindset in your relationships with each other. Verse seven, he said he never leveraged 
those things. He had a mindset. Rather, he made himself nothing. He became nothing. He humbled himself to the point of being a servant. He said, taking on the very nature of a servant. He was God. We forget that sometimes. He was the son of God. Yet he humbled himself, which is not natural. He denied himself and became a servant, being made like you and me. He had every right was due to him, was to be deferred to him. All the attention should have been on him. The Son of God came and began to live with humanity. And yet, Jesus was not full of himself. He wasn't full of his rights. He wasn't full of what he deserved. It said that he emptied himself. He poured himself out. He became a servant. And he didn't have to do any of that. But he had a mindset. Again, the mindset declares that it was a choice. That we, he had the mind, that we're to have the mindset of Jesus Christ. Where he decided to be humble. He chose to place himself underneath you and me. To submit himself, the son of God, to you and me while yet we were sinners and did not deserve what he was doing for us. He made a choice to do that. How did he submit himself? goes on in verse 8. That even though he was found in the appearance of, of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. And then it says, even death on the cross. Paul made a point that he, he wasn't just obedient, like lived this long life and died in his sleep. That he became obedient. He became a servant, humbled himself, and that attitude, that mindset, that humility led him to death, that he stayed submitted to the very end. And it said even death on a cross, it wasn't just a normal death, it was the worst death. And we talked last week about Jesus didn't want to die. He did not want to face what he had to face, but he had to do it. Jesus kind of had this dilemma that he was in. That I can maintain my rights as the son of God. I can maintain the respect that is due to me. I can get my way. I can always be right and have no relationship with humanity. Or I can go into a sinful world and establish relationship with mankind. But in order to do that, I have to give up what's due to me, what's rightfully mine, my rights, my respect, the glory that I deserve as the Son of God. But Jesus couldn't have it both ways. He said, I must become like them. God must become like him. That cre- the creator must submit to the one he created. And I have to submit myself to them. And when Jesus died on the cross for your sin, he put you first above him. He put me first. He said, I submit to them. He put himself beneath us. So the dilemma that Jesus faced was, if I want relationship, I have to die to me. In Jesus, we know the story, Jesus opted for relationship over personal rights and over respect. 
He couldn't have it both ways. And you know what? You and me, we can't either. We can't either. If you want lasting love, if you want a love that lasts, that you stay in love, part of you will have to die too. Part of you will have to submit. You can't have relationship and have it your way all the time. Because that's not a relationship. And the powerful thing is, is that when both parties involved submit to one another and say, I will mutually submit and surrender my rights to you as you submit and surrender your rights to me. And Paul says, that's how it works if you want to stay in love. That's what it looks like. And the reason this morning that you can have relationship with your heavenly father is because Jesus submitted himself on your behalf. And he paved the way so that you and I could be forgiven. So the requirement for lasting love is opting for relationship over our personal rights. You can be right or you can have relationship, and it's your choice. Jesus didn't come into this world to be right. He could have done that, right? Imagine Jesus, the Son of God, knows everything about you and me. Look at all of his teachings. He humbled himself, he served people, he washed feet, he healed people. He could have easily went around and been pointing the finger at everyone. Oh, you're a sinner, know what you did, know what you're gonna do. Sinner, sinner, sinner. Oh, you think you're not? Oh, but you are, sinner, sinner. I'm righteous, you're not. I'm the son of God, you're not. No grace, he could have just pointed the finger. But instead of pointing his finger, he put his arms out like this on a cross. And he says, you're all wrong. And I am right. But I am opting for relationship with you. And so I choose you. I choose relationship over my rights. And he submitted himself to you and me so that we could have relationship. When you get married, if you want to always have things your way, to do what you want to do, to watch what you want to watch, listen, you shouldn't have got married. And if you're single today and you like your life, and you don't like doing what other people want to do and submitting to someone, stay single. Because when you get married, it's no longer me, it's we. And Paul says, if you're going to love the way Jesus loved, which was a command, it's not an option if you're a follower of his, he says that though he was God, he humbled himself, that he submitted himself. And me and you have to do the same thing, that that's what love is, that's what relationships require you can be right or you can have relationships jesus couldn't have it both ways you and i can't have it both ways but i know what you're thinking and you're going well kyle you don't know my spouse you don't know them they don't deserve respect they don't deserve my being humble before them and putting them above myself do you know what they've done you know what they do you know how they are You know, they don't deserve it. Well, I'm thankful God didn't give me what I deserve. Because I surely didn't deserve what he did for me. 
Ephesians 5.21, Paul again, he says this, this idea of submitting. He says, and further, submit to one another. And he was talking specifically about married people. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for your spouse. Submit to one another when they deserve it. Submit to one another because you love them. No, no, no. He said you submit to one another, not because you love them, more so because you love Jesus. That we submit to one another because we love Jesus and because we believe in what he did for us. And Jesus, again, John 13, 35, he says, your love for your spouse will prove to the world that you follow me. See, I believe there's a way to resolve every single conflict that you're facing in your relationships right now in a way that's honoring to both parties if you will decide up front that I'm going to treat you as you're the most important person in the room. That I'm gonna value you more than I value myself. That I'm gonna look out to your interest more than mine. And when two people love each other with that mutual respect, that mutual submission, that's a relationship that can last. Not based on passion or desire, based on a commitment, a decision that you make. And I think we sit here, all of us, and we go, man, that would be incredible. To have a relationship like that, that would be awesome. And this is what God desires for you. It's the thumbprint. Remember, you were wired to want this. It's the way God created you. And we have the potential to be all who God created us to be, if will follow the model he's given us. You gotta make the decision. You should ask yourself, what does it look like for you to opt for relationship over your rights right now in your relationship? What does it look like? In this season of life, what does it look like for you to opt for relationship over your rights? Paul says, do that. Do that. Do that thing because love is a verb. Love is something that you do. And that's what people who stay in love do. They opt for relationship over your rights. And you go, well, Kyle, isn't that pretty hard? You bet. You bet. Man, it's hard. It is hard to love like that. But it's not as hard as a bad marriage, it's not as expensive as a divorce. It's hard, but it's worth it. It's worth it because you'll be honoring God. You'll be following his example. You'll be submitting out of your reverence for him and what he did for you. And then you're going to be in a relationship that stands the test of time and trials and problems, kids, finances, everything that it throws us. But you got to make a decision. You have to make that decision whether your spouse makes it or not. Because you love Jesus and you are being obedient to him.
and that's hard to do. You go, well, Kyle, look, eyes don't feel like it. The feelings aren't there. I don't feel like it. Let me ask you this. What other area of your life do you have that option? Can you just not go to work when you don't feel like it? Can you not take care of your kids when you don't feel like it, right? Can you not pay your taxes when you don't feel like it, right? Obey the law, I don't feel like it. But for whatever reason, we think that that's an excuse for our marriage, for our relationships. Well, I don't feel like it anymore. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like love. I don't feel like this. You don't have that right to live off of your feelings if you want relationship. You have the right if you want to. You can live off of how you feel, but you won't have a relationship. You deny yourself. You deny your feelings. You honor God. You honor his word. You love one another the way that Jesus loved you. Jesus said, love me. Love one another as I have loved you. And Paul said, take on the mindset of Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not hold on to his rights as God. He laid them down took on the posture and attitude and life of a servant. He washed feet. He went to the cross even when he didn't want to because it was the only way to have relationship. He couldn't have it both ways. You and me, we can't either.